Good morning, it's Wednesday the 15th of February and you're listening to Galway Talks with me, John Morley. Coming up on the programme today, rural independent groups demand scrapping of EPA cattle coal proposal. Galway Hotelier is deeply concerned at the prospect of a €400 million Euro VAT increase, €10 million Euro funding for Connemara Education Centre. Galway Haulier reacts to the €18 million Euro support scheme being proposed for haulage businesses. Childhood Cancer Ireland to host workshops across the region. We speak to their CEO on International Childhood Cancer Day. Survey underway to get the views of the public on streetscapes and public realm in Galway City and participants sought for a documentary on JFK visits to Galway Plenty of news, views and interviews here on Galway Bay FM between now and 12 midday and a very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. John Morley filling in for Keith Finnegan today and possibly for the next two days as well, depending on other things. Now, if you want to get a comment into us on the programme, you can get in touch with Goa Bay FM on 086 That's brought to you by Rationale. Choosing new windows and doors can be a challenge, but a showroom near you experience the full range of Aluclad options for yourself. Quality is Rationale. You can also get in contact with us today on the programme on our our phone line, that is 091-770077. Siobhan is out of reception to take your comments for us on today's programme. And also you can email comments at goibayfm.ie. That's C-O-M-M-E-N-T-S at goibayfm.ie. And Darren will give me your comments from there as well. A very good morning to you. It's a lovely day out there as I look out the window here in the Goway Bay FM studio on Sandy Road. Nice sunshine breaking through the clouds. But we're going to look at uh, farming first on today's programme. And I believe we have uh, Deputy Michael Fitzmaurice on the line here from the Independent uh, Rural Group. Uh, Deputy Fitzmaurice, uh, talk to us about this proposed um Call, I suppose, of cattle by the EPA in their report. Um, I, sp- I suppose you and others in the independents have expressed your concerns uh, following this publication of the EPA report calling for reduction in livestock levels of 30% and the rewetting of 90% of reclaimed land in order to meet our climate targets. Now, I'll just see if we can get uh, Deputy Fitzmaurice on the line there, and we have him now, I believe. Deputy Fitzmaurice, uh, you've expressed yeah, concern. Can you there. hear me, John? I have you now. Yeah, go on. Good morning, first of all. Um, um, indeed, myself as a Northern, as an independent, but other independents and indeed other TDs, um, and indeed the general public and the wider public have seen this document. Uh, it's a document that is being paid for by the Department of Agriculture and the Department of Environment. Um, the EPA has been involved in it. So has um, professors in the what we call the Atlantic University. Trinity College, ironically enough, the word farmer isn't even mentioned in it, even though it's about agriculture, ironically enough. Um, we didn't see much input from uh, the likes of Chagas and those. Um, and what is stating is that for if Ireland is to reach the targets that they are proposing, that we would be we went 90% and when, I, and when you talk about the drained peatland, this is where you have cattle and sheep um basically walk on the in the out for farmers and when you, you your your listeners know it um where the shores the land um actually the eu gave them a grant to do it in the issues this is the joke of the lot of it and now they want them to re-wet it on top of that they're talking about um eight hundred thousand hectares of forestry which is nearly two million acres um and you're looking at with what they are talking about to put it very clear to people um about three million acres of a change of land use between rewetting and forestry, 
um, and a 30% cull in the in the livestock numbers. And when you look at that, you say, where is this going to happen? Well, I guarantee you one thing, John, it's not going to happen in the Golden Vale because the price of land in the Golden Vale is, would be too dear that it wouldn't be sustainable. Second of all, there isn't many shores or land reclaimed in the Golden Vale or in the hills of Terra or in the plains of Kildare. It would happen from the top of Donegal down to the bottom of Kerry, maybe a part of West Cork. Um, and it would go out as far as, probably out as far as um, Offaly. And that's the area. So when you talk about uh, 25 to 30% of the agricultural land that's being used at the moment, it's 25 to 30% of the land in that area, which would be 65 to 70% which would be decimation for those communities if this were to go ahead. And I think it has to be stopped in its tracks. Now, has the horse not bolted on this? Because this is part of things already agreed by our government. Absolutely not. There's a nature restoration law being agreed in Europe at the moment. Our MAPs needs to get stuck into that. That's in its draft at the moment. Um, and the land use policy is only being done up here uh, in Ireland Um and there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge yet um, before this anything would be agreed. And I think that the people in those areas need to be made aware of this because unfortunately, um, only that one of those documents were FOI'd um, by a, a journalist, um, and on, only that I got a tip off about them going to talk last Tuesday in cabinet about land use and land use policy where we're going to be kept in the dark. So now that the, basically that the rabbit is out of the out of the hat, um, we need to make sure that people get involved right around this country to um, give their voice to what is being proposed because, you know, someone say, oh, sure, Michael, um, you know, if a farmer had a bit of bog there that they'd reclaimed down at the end of the field, and what we must re what we must be you know be, uh, recognise is that it made a lot of farms more sustainable. They might have thirty acres of fairly midland land, and then they might have ten or twenty acres down the back. And between the two, when they done it up, it made them more sustainable. But you will hear people saying, and you'll hear the environmental uh, lobby groups saying, "Ah, oh, sure, look, couldn't we pay the farmer to reweigh his ground?" Well, you see, if money was a, if money had sorted problem, then in my opinion, it's never a problem. Um, you could. What about you? Just look at communities, and you're well familiar with them right around our area, and indeed the areas that I've mentioned. Um, it's not about the farmer alone; it's about the local school down the road. If everyone had their land rewetted, um, well, you don't need to be looking out at it. You won't be counting cattle on it, or you won't be counting sheep on it. You can basically live within the city or whatever. So the community that was built around you living at your house and me living at my house and everyone else up or down a, a road um, that went down to the local shopper, went down to the local butcher, went down to the the guy that was selling the meat or the, the hairdresser or whatever, you won't be doing that. And what you would do is decimate a community. It's not just about the single farmer. And people need to realize this. This is a bigger picture. This is about communities being decimated in the West, Northwest, and Southwest, and the Midlands of this country. 
Is there an elephant in the room here, though? Because is there a natural progression towards urbanisation? We've seen it in other countries in terms of the Industrial Revolution. Ireland, of course, famously didn't have an Industrial Revolution. So now we're seeing this accelerated move from the country into the bigger towns and cities. And it's just that natural progression. Would you accept that? Well, first of all, um, yeah, there is more people living in cities and it was a, a diktat by governments down through the years that they were going to try and have people in what they call settlements, that they were going to hood everyone together. Didn't work too well um, when uh, we had the likes of COVID and all of these things and people got sick to the teeth of it. And if you look at the... Um, they are promoting working from home. They are promoting, um, say, with new broadband coming, which will be a help if whenever it comes. Um, you look at rural areas and thankfully there is more people moving back towards them. So I think that people um, are basically deciding with their feet and, and, and their pockets that they are you know, doing basically the opposite. They don't want to be stuck within the cities um, all their life uh, within in traffic or whatever. And um, if you look at the numbers, it has, in Ireland anyhow, I cannot speak for other places, if you look at the numbers and even... Um, Governments have beaten themselves up for the simple reason. If you look at the commuter belt to Dublin, um, they can't afford a house in Dublin. Let's be honest. I look at Galway's nearly as bad. Um, and what has happened then? Well, the people have, they go according to their means and they moved out more in the commuter belt and uh, thus it left more people living in the rural areas. It's sort of, you know, they have great ideas, governments have, and planners have, and all of these what they're going to do. But then when you have the infrastructure and the bottom line on it is when you leave something that you can't afford, um, well, obviously, they live somewhere else that is more affordable. So in, in actual fact, that trend I see in a lot of areas, and you'd have seen it yourself, has reversed. But this is a bigger picture mm. about land use. This is a bigger picture about private property. This is a bigger picture about food. We are going down a road, in my opinion, in the whole of Europe, not just Ireland, that we are going to see, in my opinion, within 10 years, that there will be people um, basically yearning for food and we won't be able to feed ourselves in the line of Europe. We'll be trying to whip it in from... Um, you know, other countries like Brazil and that in the name of climate and ticking a box. But we don't need to do that here, Deputy Fitzmaurice. We export around 90% of our produce. We export 90% of our meat. We don't export 90% of... We don't, we're not self-sufficient, to be quite frank about it. And with the way we're going, if we take another um, 25 to 30% uh, out of that, uh, that's 25 to 30% less of an economy gone. As 25%, 30%. There are parts of this country that could grow something different, right? Um, with better quality land. Let's be honest about it. What they're earmarking for the area that I'm talking about is re-wetting our trees. They're not even saying, well, have cattle or sheep. They're not even saying, and like some of these people, then you'll hear them talking, they say, oh, well, you could sow peas and beans. They try and grow them beyond some Connemara and the mountains. Some of the ideas are farcical. But you look at the trend in Europe, look at the trend in, like, we supply our beef into Europe and into the UK. If in the area that I've talked about, you are talking about 80% of the suckler herd being in that area. That's the facts. And if that trend is happening, which it is right across Europe, Europe will soon go from a net exporter of some products 
to a net importer of those products. Is there a natural opportunity there, though, in terms of the ageing demographics of the Irish farmer, particularly out west? We see the average age of the farmer has increased significantly and there aren't that many young people going into the sector. Is there a natural opportunity to promote buy off land and promote more afforestation? We do have some of the lowest levels of forestry in Europe. Well, we do have some of the lowest levels of forestry in Europe because we are um, pretty good at growing... Um, we're pretty good at having cattle, to put it simple. Um, if you look at uh, some countries in Europe, they wouldn't have the output of grass or the basically the, the, the type of um, weather pattern that we'd have here. And if you're good at something, you should be at it. If you're a good footballer and probably Chase wants a good corner forward and you're one of the best in the country when well, you'll be on his team. Uh, you don't put out, you don't do something that you're not good at. And there are other parts that's good at growing soya and all the different things and cereals or whatever. And that's the way you should do it. But, but um, in the line of, um, you know, Ireland uh, being going to put the job up or down one way or the other in climate, like people are, are just living in a fairyland. Um, Ireland is good at growing or good at having be it milk and dairy or milk and, and cheeses and butters and uh, beef whereas someone else could be better you look at England at the moment a lot of our most of our beef goes to England if Ireland cuts down so much what's going to happen there if Ireland cuts down so much what's going to happen in other parts of Europe and yeah someone will say Brazil will do it well what's the name of the game that we're at um, you know, I always thought that it was sort of the one ear that went round the whole of the world. And we didn't sort of say, this is our bit here and we're going to breathe out of here. Um, and what will happen is that we'll actually rise emissions in the world, but in the name of Ireland, we'll take a box for our masters in Europe. Like that's, This is the crack that's going on. It's absolutely farcical the way we're doing things. Well, we're not going to sort it today. I suppose I might just turn our attention over to sheep price uh, for the moment because I know there was a protest mm. there in Roscommon Town. Mm. Sheep farmers are fairly irate at the moment. Yeah, and rightly so. And the problem is that, um, and look, there's a problem. Um, you have Australia and, and um, New Zealand where, say, they have a quota in Europe, um, but they were sending most their sheep to China. Um, and then obviously everyone knows that China closed up with COVID and all of that and they'd have dumped a lot of um, lamb on the European market and the farm, the sheep sector here um, unfortunately there's a reality that a, a lamb is about 22, 23 euro uh, cheaper than it was last year but then on the reverse side of this the meal has gone up um, you know substantially because um, obviously it's where you are buying it it's probably gone up that much uh, every bag would be gone up nearly a good say 8 or 10 euro so it's a huge problem at the moment and what you when you have problems and it won't be in my opinion it won't be long term problem but what what we need to do is the minister needs to bring in the equivalent of the likes of uh, this beam scheme or something to give mm. them to get them over this low period and um, basically give them a proper uh, subsidy for the time being to make sure that they get through this and, and you know the farmers need that because cheap farmers at the moment are actually under ferocious pressure and last Wednesday at the Committee on Agriculture I brought it up to the Minister um, about making sure that this the fund comes in to help the sheep farmers um, look at he said he was going to look on it um, we didn't hear back since but we're having that meeting we're having the second parents that meeting this evening
Finally, Deputy Fitzmaurice, your reaction to the news that Deputy Dennis Nocton will not contest the next general election? Well, first of all, you know, people would think that when you'd have two um, people in, or two TDs in an area that there wouldn't be, when they'd be going in each other, that they wouldn't be getting out. I always, I'm saying Dennis, um, always got on the finest. It's a loss, in my opinion, to politics. Not surprised, um, to be quite frank about it, uh, because politics has gone to be Look at a different game than it was, um, you know, down through the years. And um, Dennis is a loss because, look, he had a huge experience. And even when I came in as a rookie, um, many a time I went to him and he'd guide you the best way possible. And, um, you know, all I could ever do was thank him for being, working with us. And that's the thing that needs to be done. This thing of, you know, people sometimes would have an impression that you'd be nearly belting each other. Absolutely not. The day Dennis was that Varadkar uh, wanted him out, um, and in my opinion, in the wrong, the time of the the, the broadband thing, um, I was the person that stood up that day and I made it clear what I thought and I backed him on to present that day and would always. So um, it's a loss to politics, to be quite frank about it. It's going to make Roscommon go a very interesting come the next election. Well, look at it. You don't know what to make interested or not interested because what's happening at the moment is you're aware that there's a review of the boundaries and look at uh, there's supposed to be 10 or 12 or 14 TDs or something. You heard in the media, didn't know we know it too well, but um, you heard in the media. And when that boundary review comes out, Galway, they're saying, might be going on us or East Galway might be going on its own, the whole job could be turned upside down. That's, but look, that's, it's like playing football. Whatever field is broad in front of you, you have to go out and play, or whatever football field you're playing in, you have to go out and either try and win, or if you're, if the people don't want you, they don't want you. That's, just, that's the facts about it. I've seen, since we since I started running, every time we ran, um, I, I'm the first, say, Chum electoral area was the council. Roscommon Leitrim was the second one where you couldn't, yeah, wasn't even a vote for myself. I couldn't vote. I was six, seven miles from from the nearest polling booth that there was a vote in. Um, then you had a pair to Roscommon Galway. Then that was changed again. So look at, it's like this. Whatever is in front of you, you have to uh, look at it and decide what you're doing. And look at jumping. And there's no point in us making excuses or giving out about it. Deputy Mike Fismaris, thank you for joining us on today's programme. Okay, no problem. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. A very good morning to you. Welcome back into today's programme. If you want to get in touch with us on our text and WhatsApp number, it's 0863833553. That's brought to you by Rational Windows and Doors, bringing light and comfort into your home. Rational.ie for more information there. Uh, John, Mr Fitzmaurice talks a lot of sense. We are expected to take in beef from Brazil when we have the best beef in the world. It's time to stop the scaremongering or eat the climate. Not one of our ministers are worried about carbon or eat their trips for St Patrick's Day. What a joke. That's one of our listeners there. And if anyone else wants to get in touch with the programme, you have our number there. You can also give us a ring here on the station 091-770077. Siobhan will take your comment there. You can also email comments at goibayfm.ie. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point from our listener there. I know uh, Minister Hildegard Nocton is heading off to the States and Minister Anne Rabbit is heading to South Africa as well. I know a lot of the lines given by politicians is that uh, the country gets a lot 
out of these trips. But then again, if we are concerned about uh, climate action, they should maybe take a leaf out of Greta Thunberg's book and uh, take the boat or the train as often as they can. Now, moving on on the programme, and Goy hoteliers are deeply concerned at the prospect of a €400 million Euro VAT increase. Um, so this, uh, Goy hoteliers have expressed deep concern about the effect of a potential €400 million Euro increase in VAT on Irish consumers and overseas visitors. The increase is currently under consideration by government at a time when consumers, both at home and abroad, are under significant financial pressure in the midst of a cost-of-living crisis. Well, we're joined now by the uh, Galway Irish Hotel Federation branch spokesperson, John Ryan. Uh, John, I suppose, give us your thoughts on this potential increase in VAT. I suppose yourselves at hoteliers are against it. John, good morning, how are you? Y- yes, we, we well, our point of view on, the, is, on this, John, is that this is a, uh, I suppose, I'm, I'm not going to speak with a hotelier's hat today. I'm going to speak with the uh, consumer hat. It's a, it's a, we believe this is a consumer tax. If you take that increase in tax, that's 400 million. Only about a quarter of that relates to actually to hotels and hotel bedrooms. We're talking about a tax that's going to go on every cafe, bar, takeaway, restaurant, bar food in, in, in Galway City. And at the moment where all businesses are is that there's significant cost inflation. Everybody knows that domestically, the cost of, of, of utilities, the cost of linen, the cost of food, the cost of drink, everything has gone up. And businesses will not be able to absorb this. So they'll have to pass this um, increase in VAT if it goes ahead, which is a 50% increase in, 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 in that tax. They'll have to pass that on to, con- to, to consumers. And, you know, that's a, effectively makes this a, um, a consumer tax. It's not something that's it's a tax on, on hotels or a tax on restaurants. It's a tax on, on, on people in a time when the cost of living has just gone through the roof for people. And this will just be another t- uh, tax that's going to be passed on to consumers and make us less competitive make Ireland more expensive to international and tr- international clients in, and to domestic clients for people who want to go buy a coffee you know it's going to make a cup of coffee more expensive so it's it's a very difficult time thing that the government are going to impose on us when um, the cost of living is already uh, rocketing so we just feel the government need to keep on supporting us as they've done for a long long time um, they've been very, very good up until up, up now in making sure we recover. And they need to continue to support tourism, bars, restaurants, and uh, you know, uh, the customer um, going into the future. That's, that's, we just feel we're concerned that this will be an extra inflationary cost on mm. the economy. Yeah, it's a 13.5% rate, and you say it will be passed on to consumers, but to be mm. fair, it's going to be passed on by hotels to consumers. It'll be passed on by cafes, it'll be passed on by bars, it'll be passed on by takeaways. It'll be ca- any, anybody who serves food, John, with, this is not, it's it. The focus on hotels, I know, is, 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 is uh, I, I see where you're coming from, but it's not just hotels and it's not just accommodation. It's every single uh, coffee shop or, or corner or uh, takeaway. It's a, it's a tax on anybody who's serving food, for coffee, it is accommodation. It is a, an increase in accommodation tax. I say that, and it's also significant to remember, right? This will make us the, the highest-rated uh, tourism tax in Europe. 
So 9% is the actually effectively the correct tax. If a government is serious about promoting Ireland as a tourism destination and give, val give value to customers, 9% puts us right at the median of all tourism taxes in, in the European Union, uh, apart from Denmark, I believe. Um, so increasing us, increasing us is going to put us less, make us less competitive as a nation against all our European competitors. Now, I know that the government have given great support to your sector yep. during COVID Absolutely. and that. I know yep. that's been acknowledged as well. Um, mm -hmm. So is there, is there a fear now that that's go that support's going to be pulled from under the rug or, or what's the concern from a hotelier's point of view? Well, you're correct when you say that, John, that the, uh, uh, the support from the government has been absolutely uh, magnificent and we're just urging them to keep us. Yeah, and there is a concern that this, this rate uh, will, will be changed. Um, they've, they've certainly given us in and support. Of, they've already started paying out some supports for energy costs, even um, you know, to, to about half to the hotel industry. Um, there's some difficulties with that also, but they've, they've, they're looking at that to support. No, so we're just saying continue supporting us. And if they do continue support us, you know, we will create tourism is the is the largest indigenous industry in the country. It goes into every parish. It goes into every corner of the of this country. We will continue and to, and to uh, grow our businesses. We will continue to, um, you know, create employment, and we will deliver a, a big return for for the uh, the economy. You know, because we are looking to get back to pre pandemic levels of up to about 2026 is that's where you know we're, we're looking at because you know we're people think we're very very busy but demand that actually hasn't returned to anywhere near um uh post the post or pre pre-pandemic so we need just need this space and we think that that rate should be not just kept at uh nine percent for another 12 months because we don't want to be coming back here in 12 months 12 months time and beating down the door this is what the correct level of VAT is for our industry it's the correct level for every bar that serves food cafe that serves food takeaway that serves food and coffee shop that, 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 ser that, ser that serves a cup of coffee so we're just saying to the government keep supporting us you know do not put any more inflationary costs on us in, a, in, a, in an economy that's already and you know, and I know, that the cost of even uh, running your own home has gone up significantly. But the cost of running a business has just gone up so, so, so much. And this will be just another, you know, cost on top of that again. And it's just, it's not the time to do this. It's a good point, I suppose. If you look at uh, people booking trips away, they're making out it's around the same price for two weeks in the South Mediterranean as it is for a weekend in Ireland. Yeah, and if you look at uh, some of the reports and some of the national papers that were produced la uh, last year, if you were to go uh, to equivalent place in in say it was done in Kerry and it was done by a national broadcaster, the effect of taking his family away uh, to Kerry to a very 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 nice spot for two weeks in Kerry last summer was effectively the same cost when you when you put in all the price of the flights and travel and all that in there effectively the same price as going to two weeks in, 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 in the same type of accommodation in the Mediterranean. 
I'll just go to our text line for a moment. Just stay with us there, yeah. uh, John, because one listener has texted in, in fairness to restaurants and cafes, they don't put up the prices of meals for matches, concerts and race festivals. Hotels put up the prices for rooms. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, that's been a significant issue this year and has been highlighted by, a lot by the government. And, you know, I would say to people, if you look at the average price of hotels in, Go- in Galway and in Dublin, like last September, the average price in Dublin for a hotel bedroom was 100, €167 Euro for the month. Now, if hotels are charging spiking prices, that's not defensible, you know, um, and people shouldn't pay them. Mm. They just shouldn't pay them. But if you do get on early and get on to hotels early, you know, and like booking anything, you will get exceptionally good value in hotels in Ireland. Um, now, if it, if it's very, very late, and hotels that are are charging um, uh, massive prices at the last minute, particularly in, and it's happened in Dublin, is not defensible. It's wrong, and it shouldn't happen, and people should not pay those prices. Mm-hmm. D-Day for government on this issue. Is it next month, I believe, March, for the VAT? First of March is a change, but I think the decision um, if I'm, is it's going to be next week. We'll, we'll know next week, if not this week, what the decision is going to be. Um, oh. And I know the government have a lot of a range of things they're, they're considering. They have a lot of difficult decisions to make um, in the next week or so, as support for a, uh, the, the economy of Ireland and the people of Ireland. Mm. Um, but we're urging them to, part of that support is to retain the 9%. What are the murmurs like at the moment, or have you got any indication? We don't. Um, we're getting, uh, we don't know. That's the honest truth. That's we actually don't know. No, that's fair. John Ryan, the uh, Galway branch spokesperson of the Irish Hotels Federation, thank you for joining us on today's programme. Thank you, John. Right, that's John Ryan joining us there. If you want to get in touch with the programme, you can on 086 38 33 553. That's brought to you by Rationale Windows, bringing together daylight, beauty and warmth to truly amplify your happy home. Now, still to come on today's programme, €10 million funding for Connemara Education Centre. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. I'm delighted to say we're joined now on the programme by Michal O'Feel, the manager of Lurgan. Michal, a huge funding announcement there in the Cushfarga area yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it was... Um I suppose, yeah, we're, we're absolutely, we're thrilled, we're over the moon. Um, I suppose the, 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 the Lurgan redevelopment project, I suppose, like, it's, um, believe it or not, it's, it's oh, well over 20 years ago since, since we had our first meeting with, with Udros in relation to, to redeveloping the site. Uh, so it's been a long time in the coming, but, you know, well worth waiting for, and, and uh, it's a hugely substantial kind of, um, and, and very... A very kind of specific, uh, a hugely substantial um, announcement yesterday. Yes, and it marks, I suppose, a significant milestone in this collaboration with Udros and Gaelsta over the years. Well, well, the color, the, the Udros own the site. They've always owned the site. We've always been tenants in the in, in the building, and and um, it, it was in dire need of 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 redevelopment. But um, they did. 
you know, that there were schemes, there were plans over the years. Even even we got a planning permission there in in, in two thousand and seven for for a four story building on on on, on a lesser site where, where, where the where the new development is going to take place. But um, um, that ran out in two thousand and seventeen. But um, you know, thankfully it didn't go ahead. I'm glad to say that 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 didn't go ahead because that the, the plans now and and I suppose that that the we would have a different take on what the uh, the potential of of such a such a kind of uh, development would be today than we would have had say twenty years ago. So no, it's 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 um, hugely exciting, hugely positive, and uh, it is going to be a game changer. And it will be of huge use to people in the area as well in Indravon. Uh, it's a multi-purpose and modern facility. Yeah, well, I suppose it's going to have a, a quite a number of different levels. Uh, definitely, locally, it's going to have a huge impact. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm coming from, you know, the Gaelic, from the, from the language point of view, because that, that's our job here in Oregon, to get people excited speaking Gaelic, using Gaelic, and, and um, that's, that's, our, um, that's our mission. And, and, um, but but the, the new development, the old the old. The old, old Lurgan, the building wasn't great, but the, the spirit and the, the, I suppose, the mission and, and, and the people's enthusiasm to help and, and to make a difference was always there. But th- this will bring it to, an, uh, to, to a different level, all right. And I suppose we're talking about locally, of course, nationally, yes. And I'd even go as far as to say is inter- it will have an international reach also. Now, I know that a grant of over €300,000 has been approved by uh, ministers for Uderos Negeltete to prepare an application for planning permission, which is expected to be ready to be submitted to Galway County Council by this summer. Yes, it's a huge project. Um, The preparation of the planning application is is going to be challenging. Um, Anything to do with the main road, it does, like it's there, it's it's, um, on the side of the main road, and um, it's... um, there are lots of considerations that have to be kind of, you know, met, and Galway County Council will have their kind of uh, priorities, and then they're rightly so. So, look, it's there is a good deal of work to be done, um, obtaining a planning permission, and then um, and a lot has to be done. I suppose yesterday's announcement barely gets us off the starting line, uh, but there's a there is a lot to be done even before a shovel goes into the ground. That there is, um, but the Udras have committed. Um, we're, we're delighted. We always wanted the Udras, uh, we always wanted this to be a public building and we always wanted Udras to be the, 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 the owners. And, and we're, we're very, very happy tenants and very happy, uh, have been for over, over the years and, and, and will be going forward. It's a nice boost as well ahead of uh, the opening of your summer college courses. How are they filling up at the moment? At the moment, the last year, all right, I suppose... I remember we, we, we put our, our courses live there in one weekend in, in, in September and uh, on a Friday. And but sure, by the Monday morning, there were no places left in any of the courses. Yeah, it filled up over a weekend. The over almost fifteen hundred places went over a weekend. Yeah, it's amazing, really. I know the college; so, it, it really shot to prominence there with all the well, the it, Irish it language not, songs. Well, well, 
Well, well, it's not only that, but you know, you have to kind of appreciate the the, the whole kind of setup. All college the Gael, not only ourselves, by the way, but all college the Gael. That the, the the model where where that it's it's a perfect model where where students stay in local houses when they interact with other teenagers. Where they they're like the, the building here is irrelevant. We're intense. We've been intense for uh, last summer. We've been intense. We 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 set up a kind of a temporary structure in our temporary uh, centre for the next few years. Um, Students don't care. Like, no one even asked about the old place. No one even batted the lid. That We hadn't been in the old building. That, that, that wasn't uh, really wasn't fit for purpose, really. Hadn't been uh, for a while. But um, it, it, the building, Lorigan isn't a building. College of Gaelic aren't a building. But um, the, the, the building is kind of quite, quite, quite important, all right, that the building kind of demands attention, that, it, that it's a... Substantial building that it will kind of, you know, that 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 it, it kind of reflects the 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 kind of the, the huge potential Gaelga has, as I said, and 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 the huge influence it can exert on people's lives. And I suppose we definitely, as I said, our mission is to get people excited about Gaelga, but more so to get people kind of to. I suppose, get a, a sense of ownership, a, a sense of responsibility around the language, because Belga, um, it is our language, as I said, it is our language, we're not in England, it's our language, we're not English, and we definitely need people to kind of uh, wake up to the fact that, that, that everyone, yourself included, we all have a sense of responsibility uh, towards our own language. Well, Craig Normage, Le Couple of Fuckle, Law Horvath, Tavatok Dunn, Counter Augustan, Squell, Freshen. Good king, I guess, 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 I Ach, um, but while in either question, So to all is all came wars to Well, Gandalf or the manager of Lurgan. Thank you for joining us on Goa Talks. Yeah, great passion from the man there and 10 million euros, some investment in the Indravon area there in West Galway and in the Connemara region indeed as well. Now still to come on today's programme in the next hour, we'll be speaking to hauliers to get their reaction to the 18 million euro support scheme being proposed for haulage businesses. We'll be speaking with Eugene Drennan, he's the president of the Irish Road Haulage Association. Also still to come, Childhood Cancer Ireland is to host workshops across the region and we'll be speaking to their CEO on International Childhood Cancer Day. A nice interview coming up there with Laura Cullinan. Also still to come in the 10 o'clock hour, we'll be hearing about that survey that is underway to get the views of the public on streetscapes and public realm in Galway City. Sinead Nifaharta is coming on to the show. We'll also have your job spot coming up with Patricia Hines and as well as that, an employment scheme which aims to get more adults with Down syndrome into paid jobs is expanding into Galway. We have Aoife Gaffney coming on. She's the head of employment at Down Syndrome Ireland. So all that plus lots, lots more are looking a bit further on to the later hour of the show we'll be looking and I mentioned this a bit earlier on at the start of the programme participants are being sought for a new documentary on JFK's visit to Galway
always. So if you know anyone, maybe it was your your mother or your father or indeed yourself who was here when JFK did his visit of Galway, uh, please um, listen to that interview tomorrow. We'll be speaking to Pamela Finn, who is making the documentary, and it's marking the 60th anniversary since his trip to Galway. So that's going to be an interesting one as well. As well as that, we'll be looking at a bit of comedy. Gusto with Billy McGrath. That's coming to the Town Hall studio this Friday. So Billy will be speaking with us a little later on after, I believe, um, it's uh, his first time back on the stage in quite a while. So it'll be interesting to see why he's decided to come back now. And to finish up the programme, we'll be talking about a Galway art exhibition which celebrates the LGBT plus community. And we'll have Mary McGah live in studio for that. Please do get in t- contact with the programme on 086 38 33 55 3. That is our text line brought to you with thanks to Rationale. Galway Talks in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you.